Welcome to Enneagram Plus Yoga, a podcast for the body, heart, and mind. Today we have a friend of mine on the episode. Her name is Catherine Taladano. Catherine is an Enneagram 7. She's also an Enneagram teacher. She's a pastor at Pilgrim Congregational Church. And additionally, she's finishing up yoga teacher training school right now and is also a certified journey dance teacher which is kind of in the same family as yoga, and we'll talk with her more about that. But we are going to be talking with her about what it's like to be uh, in yoga teacher training school. We're going to talk with her about being an Enneagram 7, and we're also going to look at each of the nine numbers, and particularly um, how they are as yoga teachers. Um, But I think that whether you're a yoga teacher or not, this episode's going to resonate with you because we're looking at the qualities of all nine numbers. So you're going to enjoy this episode that we've already recorded. And thanks for listening. Hey, everyone. So welcome to our episode. We appreciate you taking your time and listening to us chitter chatter. And before we get to our interview with our fabulous guest, I just was telling my friends, Christine and Catherine here, um, that I was listening to an Enneagram Summit that's going on right now, and it's virtual, and I was blown away by one of the lectures, and it was done by Julia Foster, and it was done on the Enneagram of and, rela- and for relationships. Um, and here's what blew me away. So when she was presenting, when Julia was presenting, she went through all nine numbers and she had a different name from what I have heard for every single one. And I thought they were so spot on. So we're just going to share them. Yeah, let's do it. One, she called humanitarian. Two, the lover. Three, the provider. Four, the spiritual seeker. Five, the sage. Six, the truth-sayer. Seven, the visionary. Eight, the warrior. Nine, mediator. And I thought that was so spot on because even if we know Enneagram, if we read on it and study it, at least for me, I kind of put myself in the perfectionist box Mm -hmm. and don't allow for anything else to come in. Mm -hmm. So it was nice to hear that one could be a humanitarian. Reframing that you are a humanitarian, a reformer, that you, the positive side of each number. I like that. And just proves Enneagram is so multifaceted and there's so much more than just just a number and the word next to it. Yeah. So y'all listen up and study, but let's go ahead and kick it off. Um, we welcome Catherine. Thank you so much for being here. And I'm just going to start with um, asking you about Enneagram and how you've learned about it and what your journey has been mm-hmm. with Enneagram. Yeah. So thank you for having me. Um, I'm excited to talk about the Enneagram. I I learned about it about 15 years ago. I was finishing a mindfulness-based stress reduction program, you know, sort of the John Kabat-Zinn uh, mm-hmm. thing. And at the very end of our program, the uh, the teacher said, we're going to do our Enneagram types now. And I'm like, what is it? I had no idea. Um, but I did it. And I think I tested probably, you know, too close to each other. I wasn't quite sure. But then she suggested that I go do a weekend at Kripalu, which is up in Massachusetts. I was living in Connecticut at the time. And Helen Palmer, who's one of the great, oh. like, yeah. Speaking yes, of you sages, know. I, she, so incredible. 
And what my teacher said was just like, if you can be in the presence of Helen Palmer, you just go to this weekend. You might not know what Enneagram is or think you want to spend a whole weekend on it, but go. So I did that and I really learned a lot about myself and I was able to identify myself as the type seven. So that was kind of my introduction to the Enneagram. That is phenomenal. And wow. it's the, the rest is history. So you feel it served you well, sort of connecting with it. And 15 years, that's a long time to stick with something. Yeah. Yes, especially for a seven. <laughs> but <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, I command you. I, uh, yes. I feel like it gave me a lot of insight on myself, a yeah. lot of my patterns. Yeah. I remember uh, we did a lot with meditation that weekend. And the way Enneagram was presented to me was that the Desert Fathers, you know, back in, you know, first, second century were trying to meditate and they each named a distraction from their meditation. And for the seven, it was future positive thinking, pleasant options, thinking yeah. about, well, what could I be having for dinner tonight, you know, while you're yeah. meditating or yeah. Yeah. here's the fun thing I'm going to do later. So I saw that pattern in myself of always having that future mindset. Mm -hmm. And uh, Helen Palmer really helped me because she, she sort of looked me right in the eye and she said, if you could just pause mm -hmm. and wait one more moment in an unpleasant or difficult situation, just give it one more moment. And yeah. that was something I never forgot. That is so wise and it makes it accessible. Instead of be in the pain, stay with the suffering, give it a pause in a moment. Yeah. I love that. Just one more moment. Wow. Not mm. easy. Easier said than done, I'm sure. For a seven. For, I'm yes. married to one, so. <laughs> you know. I know. We're always trying to escape. It, it's like, how do I, yep. how do I get yep. out of this? Oh, I don't like this situation. Yep. I'm out. You know, yep. yeah. it's, a, it's a gut. Yeah. instinct, you know, yeah. natural yeah. reaction. Kudos to you. I love that. So as a type seven, you've been on this journey for a long time of studying the Enneagram. So what are you learning about your weaknesses? Maybe we might call that growing edges or your strengths as a seven. So that's a great question. I think, you know, I, I've definitely learned that I'm pain averse. I don't want to stay in that mm -hmm. moment. So working with pain, working with suffering, working with the pause, I can easily get distracted or take on too many things or even schedule too many things in one day because they all sound really great. So I'm like, mm -hmm. yes, I want to do all of that. <laughs> so I think over the years, because it's been 15 years, I've learned like, it's okay. You don't have to do each and every pleasant or exciting sounding thing yeah. to be complete or to find happiness there. Yeah. It's almost like the search of something outside of yourself and realizing there is nothing outside of yourself. Mm -hmm. That's going to make, you know, that's going to raise pain and make life really fun all the time. Okay. So learning to be centered and go within has been really important. I love that. I love that. So brag on yourself. What are the strengths about being the seven? Well, I love that description that it was the visionary that you right? said. I, I, was, I don't you think said I, not I, I've incredible. heard, you know, and you Latin are. and, um, you know, other things that didn't sound as good as visionary. <laughs> so, yeah, visionary sounds great to me. I hold the big picture. I love concepts. I'm, you know, positive generally yeah. and uh, love connecting, synthesizing different uh, 
elements of something. That's why what I'm doing now, which is leading a church, writing the sermons is incredible for me yeah. because you can bring in so much, you know, different uh, thoughts and elements and synthesize them in a way that's new and fresh and, mm-hmm. and makes the message fresh. So I, I love doing that. Mm-hmm. I see that visionary in you. I mean, as your, as your friend who's known you, I guess, for about six years now, how long have you been in Chattanooga? I think eight years. Eight years. And we met before I even moved here, so I could go with nine for us. Yes. Maybe almost nine years. So as your friend, like, just you do have a lot of big ideas, and I do think you're good at listening to other people's ideas and pulling them together. But I think you dream big dreams like a seven. So I see that. I see that dreamer in you and that visionary in you, and I affirm that in you. As your friend. Thank you. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like it. Well, Catherine, I know you're finishing up uh, yoga teacher training. Can you talk a little bit about your acquaintance with yoga and what brought you to yoga, what kept you in yoga? And as a seven, how yoga helps you get grounded? I know you've um, mentioned a pause, which is so important, and yoga provides that. That seems to be a reoccurring word in pretty much any conversation that we're having to take a pause and to notice, but tell us a little more. So I probably started a serious yoga practice around the same time I was introduced to the Enneagram. So 15, 16 years ago, I'd just been going through a lot and we had just moved to Connecticut and it's yoga has been like an anchor for me being on the mat helps me to get out of my head. I'm in my head a lot with a lot of thoughts and a lot of ideas. And yoga helps me to work with that, Mm -hmm. to feel more grounded, to feel more centered. And I will say, uh, I was thinking about a particular incident that happened, and this was about 15 years ago too. I was going through a a kind of cancer scare where they were doing a, a biopsy. And I remember going to yoga, like while waiting for the biopsy result and having yoga help me so much. It was like the thing that led me to be comfortable with uncertainty, even though, you know, I, I want to say with everything in my heart, I'm not comfortable with uncertainty. Yoga helped me be comfortable, helped me come into the moment to be very present and take things as they came. And it's just helped me so much in these last 15 years. Mm. Kudos to you. And that's the beauty of yoga, that it is a practical application to be able to get what you need in your life, and not just physically, but spiritually, emotionally, mentally. It, you know, practice just keeps giving. So that's great. Yeah. And I really feel like for the seven, fear is our big issue. You know, fear yeah, is yeah. what we come up against. Sure. And fear always takes you out of the out of, of the course. moment. You're always fearing something that's not yeah. actually happening. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Know, especially so. with the six swing because yes. you have a six swing. Yes, wow. yeah. strong one. Yeah, I have a strong six, and I can live in that worst case scenario thinking. And I also have, when I'm stressed, I can go to that one and become very judgmental. Yeah. You know, this is right, this is wrong, and I I can now I can reverse it and say, oh, you're stressed because when I have those thoughts. Yeah, I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, you're stressed right now. Maybe yeah. you should take a rest. Yeah. You're you're really getting very judgmental of other yeah. people and yourself. Yeah, mm-hmm. good, 
good wisdom. So speaking of wisdom, we acquire a lot of that in our yoga teacher training program. I know you're going through the program with Chattanooga Yoga School. What's, if you had to share with listeners, one thing you've really learned during yoga school, and I would recommend yoga school to people who don't even want to be teachers just because there's so much of the self-awareness and going inward to see yourself and to grow, but what's one valuable lesson for you out of teacher training? Well, I thought about this question, and I think for me it's this concept of stira and sukha, Mm -hmm. the uh, steadiness, stability, Mm -hmm. and ease. Uh, You know, there's a there's a seeking of that good place, you know, of mm-hmm. comfort. And I think I was more towards that as a type seven. Mm-hmm. So it was learning about stira, you know, holding a pose, steadiness, stability. You can do this, you know, even if something's painful, you can stay in it. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. been a great lesson for me to learn about a balance, which I think yoga is very much about balance. Yeah. And the balance between those two polarities has been really uh, an important lesson for me out of teacher training. I love that, Sura and Sukha, that effort and ease, and that when we can find that on our mat, when we can learn how to go to child's pose, but also hold plank, we learn how to do the tough stuff in life, but then also go watch a movie with our family, right, and find ease. Yeah, yeah. Learn that balance, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. All right, so let's go into, we're going to look at all nine numbers today. And uh, Catherine's a, a wonderful Enneagram teacher. In fact, um, I don't know if she has the time, but I know she's taught the Enneagram to different organizations. So we're going to include her email on our website. And um, if you listen to this podcast on Spotify, you'll be able to find it on Spotify. So you can contact her if you'd like her to teach um, your group, your organization, your institution on the Enneagram because she really has a lot of wisdom to impart. Again, she's she's learned under the best of the best, Helen Palmer. So she's uh, definitely somebody who could come and speak to your group. But she's going to be one of our teachers with us as we talk about uh, yoga and the Enneagram and sort of how yoga teachers might be a little bit more sensitive and careful um, about their number and how it might impact their teaching style. Yeah. So... Um, Let's see. Should we start with the perfectionist? Start with one today? Does yeah. That work? Yes. All right. I like it. So that means Catherine's going to go first. I so. will talk about the one because <laughs> sometimes I am a one. And I love that it was the, the humanitarian right? in your uh, earlier yeah. list. That sound, uh, But the perfectionist is probably something that the one needs to look for in the yoga class because, you know, I can imagine nothing more opposite from yoga than saying there is a right way to do a pose and a wrong way, or you've got to be doing it this way. So yes, there's a safe way to do a pose, but I think the perfectionist might get into uh, being critical of themselves or of their students. Mm -hmm. And, and that can be uh, very detrimental to a yoga class. Yeah. You might not want to come back if your teacher feels like they're being critical and the, yeah. you know what I mean? Like yeah. I've had that yeah. feeling in a class before and it's not a good word. Yeah. The I, feeling of being judged, yeah, you know, sort yeah. of like, or you're not doing it right. Yes. Yes. No. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Um, you know, I'm a one and I went through uh, sort of a, 
a, a period in my yoga uh, life where I was so obsessed with alignment and I studied alignment and I studied with teachers who were obsessed with alignment and it sort of got a little out of control. It had to come to me sort of getting injured almost to understand Yes, this is classical alignment for this pose, but it does not work for everyone, period, mm-hmm. period. So if it works for you, great. And if it doesn't, who gives a shit mm-hmm. that this is the way that it has to align? So Yeah, but that's big for that's a one to let huge. that go. Oh, my it, gosh. To let, yeah. Yes. But. And then give everybody else that freedom to decide in discern for themselves if it works for your body or not because no one lives in your body except Mm -hmm. for you Mm -hmm. so yeah Yeah. take a minute to learn i agree all right let's move on to helpers so oh the lover (laughs) oh the lover i love the lover so here's a few things that yoga teachers with this number need to be careful of and i'd love to hear from christy after i go through these so Mm -hmm. losing their own personal practice because they're helping by subbing or teaching too many classes and i am a big believer that you cannot teach what you don't practice period and you cannot be a good teacher if you're not a good student so that 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 learning and that passing on the teaching have got to balance each other out so that's Mm -hmm. huge um offering too much help and advice during or after class so um yeah i'd like to hear what you think on that yeah i mean i I definitely have been that that teacher who stayed for too long because somebody's needed a listening ear right after class. And I love to listen, but sometimes it's gone on for too long and because that helper in me wants to help. And and then I run late to the next thing, right, that I'm going to help with or do. And so, you know, you've got to work on boundaries. That the, was the last one yeah. I wanted to ask your opinion. So setting the boundaries, which we know in just life it's important. But being a yoga teacher, what do you have to do to set boundaries as a yoga teacher? Well, you know, recently somebody called me about teaching a class. And it was about 30 minutes away from where I live, the class. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And uh about it and I thought you know do I really want to do this or do I just want to help because my impulse was to say yes I love you finish your thought I have a quote for you and then I was like no I want to help and and I don't really want to drive 30 minutes there and back for class and so I ended up talking to this person thanking them for asking me it's always an honor to be asked but ended up giving them some names of some other folks that may have been able to help yeah. them out, right? So this week in my classes, this is the quote that I've been sharing, and it's by Octavia Rahim, which um, I am a huge fan of her work. She's a yogi. She's a studio owner out of Atlanta, Georgia. She's a writer. Here's what she writes. Evidence of courage is not just what we do, say yes to, or walk our way through. It is also evidenced in what we decide to not do. Mm. what we say no to and what we have been carried through 
I love it. Goosebumps number two? Yes. Spot on, right? Yes. Yeah. It's easier said than done, but that's an important thing to remember. Yes. Courage is evidence of what we say no to. Yes. 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 I love that. That did give me chills. So thank you for that. Sure thing. All right. So we're looking at the achiever and uh, the achievers. Gosh, you know, they're either going to step on the mat and they might become competitive and compare themselves to other people. Or as a teacher, they might start to compare and compete with other teachers, which I think is really dangerous. Like we really become a yoga community when we cheer on the other teachers and when we see the best in them and see the beauty in them and, um, and allow for diversity. But a three, when they're not in their healthiest place, might start to have that competitive edge with other yoga teachers yeah or even with students in their class so being careful of that they may not even make it on the yoga mat if they don't think they're going to be the best because there's that deep fear of being a failure Mm -hmm. they may not even make it as a yoga teacher if they don't think they're going to be the best so like I would encourage threes like just because there's somebody who's a better you feel like they're a better teacher than you now you've got to practice teaching in order to become the teacher you want to be. And so don't compare yourself and think that you're not worthy to do this. Go and practice teaching and, um, and be who you are as a teacher. That's the other thing is they might try to be who another teacher is because Mm -hmm. they're very chameleon like. Mm -hmm. And so they may try to become like Kat or Carrie or whoever else and, and kind of model themselves after that teacher. And, and they need to work on authenticity and be who they are as a teacher. Um, and then they also have to work on creating yoga classes that aren't just about the physical postures and ignoring the spiritual and emotional elements of yoga because emotions are really, really hard for a lot of us, but especially for the three. Yeah. They disown their feelings. They disown their emotions. And if they can get in touch with that inner self, that, that true self, and their feelings, that spirituality and emotion part is going to come out in their classes. And they're already probably a rock star at the physical part, but then they're truly going to shine. And their teacher, their students are going to feel that authenticity and that feeling element that, that, you know, they're becoming more whole as a person. And then their students are going to feel and experience that wholeness. So I think that those are some of my thoughts for a three and what they might need to be careful of. I so agree. You know, in my yoga classes, I I like to say uh, the beauty of yoga doesn't have a competitive edge, Mm -hmm. even with yourself. And I think three would compete with themselves oftentimes. Yeah. And then, right. And then also um, at times they wouldn't do something because they have it in their head that they wouldn't be the best at it. So Mm -hmm. it's not even worth it. So being careful not to create that kind of image that they have to emulate in their mm-hmm. yoga teaching, yoga practice, etc., and just go with heart wide open, mind wide open, setting the bar, not at the highest level ever, yeah. and just let it unfold and feel how you feel and be how you are, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I like that. And didn't your, um, the, when you went to the class, didn't they call this the provider, the number three? As the yes, provider. the like, provider. Yeah. I've like, never heard that. I like that. I love that. I do, I do think my husband's a three, and I do think he likes that, that role of, of providing. Yeah. So that's, that's interesting. So and that is how oftentimes they express love. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you're going to take us to four. Four, yes. What the romantic or... I've heard the individualist. I love yep. the individualist mm-hmm. or the artist. The yeah. artist, mm-hmm. yes. I feel like the four would tend to be a great yoga teacher, but I, I do see that they could have an issue about comparing themselves to others as well. I guess somewhat like the three, but mm-hmm. maybe having that in the mm-hmm. uh, or the regret, I didn't do that right, or mm-hmm. a little bit of... Um, uh, another pitfall might be focusing too much on sad emotions in a class. That's interesting. I guess they could. They could bring their foreness to everything and keep it sort of on a downbeat. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think I once had a yoga in a yoga teacher training class. The, our teacher, Jessica, was telling us, be careful of not being too emotional when you're teaching to students because some people are in a place where you know, that might just be too much for them. But you know what I mean? So, and if a four was teaching and trying to be intense and deep and, and somebody wasn't quite ready for that, it might be dangerous, so. Right, but a four can also, I guess I'm thinking I had a four yoga teacher early on. And I think one thing she allowed was, she allowed emotions. Yeah. So, which is hard, like for a seven, sadness is really hard, right? Or, you know, yeah. like we're striving for that wholeness. Yeah. So the four, in a way, offers a place to find some completion or to allow some expression that you might deny yourself normally. Yeah. That's very good because I think it, it can swing both ways that we need a teacher that can create space for that and allow you to cry and not kind of pat you on the back in a way to make you stop crying, you know, but can allow that space for that. But I think it's intuitive, like, of knowing what your students as a whole might need of, of okay. Um, but I, I do think some people might experience a four teacher as too intense. And then if a four is in a healthy place, no, they would be creating that safe space for feelings. I think you're exactly right, Catherine. Spot on. Yeah. Um, any other thoughts for the four, any of us? I agree, Catherine. So what I would appreciate about uh, for creating the space and holding the space for emotion that I would doubt a four teacher would come next to you, like Christy said, pat you in the back and say it's okay, because at times it's not okay. I think they would say, I'm with you. Yep. And yeah. that is huge difference yes. because it may never be okay. You don't know what the person experienced, but that I am here with you because yes. for me, and I've said it before, it is very uncomfortable place to be with intense emotions, mm-hmm. just to be without having to feel like, can we just fix it mm-hmm. and make it better? But a four would be with it because they know what it is like to mm-hmm. feel and be with their own emotion mm-hmm. and their own feelings. So that to me is a gift of yeah. a four teacher that they would just let you feel and be there with you. So you're yeah. not alone with it. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. All right, moving on to five, the observer. So that could be a little bit of a different spectrum from a four in terms of what yoga teacher that number need to be careful of. So fives love to withdraw and um, a yoga teacher who is an unhealthy five will often be experienced by the students as detached, maybe even aloof. And if you're five on the Enneagram, consider not leaving as soon as the class is over and try to arrive early to get to know your students. So connection is paramount for a five. 
And I do agree with that. So Gracie has mentioned um, one of our yoga teachers, Jessica Jolly, and we had Jessica as a guest um, uh, not too long ago. But here's what, and uh, she's my teacher, and here's what I love about what she does. Uh, she makes eye contact in mm-hmm. class. It is so hard. I don't know if y'all think it's hard to make eye contact when you teach. It kills me, like stabs me in the chest. And then before class, she would stop by and introduce herself, especially to people Mm -hmm. she's never met. That is so scary. She's so good at She's so good to connecting. But I can tell you, those people, I guarantee you come back to her class because of that. 30 seconds that she acknowledged the person she's made them feel seen mm-hmm. and welcomed yeah so for a five i think it would be a tough thing to do but i think it would make all the difference yeah don't you yeah. think i do i do i think that's big mm-hmm also, five yoga teachers also need to be mindful that they may instruct their classroom with thinking and linear perspective. So um, kind of get more into a heart and body um, over just the analytical mind and not looking at yoga practice or teaching as just like a textbook thing mm-hmm. that is just, you know, black or white, but allowing for more. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a path of growth for a yoga teacher who's a five. Yeah, yeah. So the six, the loyalist. Um, what was the name, the other name for the six? Hold on just one second. Let me look at my notes. Wonderful. The six was referred summit. the truth sayer. The truth mm. Y'all, mic drop right there. The truth sayer. I love that. Ka-bam. Kabloom. That's yeah. the word. Mm-hmm. So sixes, I think, as teachers um, tend to vacillate between trusting too much and then not trusting others at all. So this could be like evidenced in like working with other teachers in the yoga studio that, okay, I really trust this person. And then all of a sudden their hearts might close up mm-hmm. to other yoga teachers Um, So that's something sixes need to be careful of is kind of keeping their heart space open to their colleagues, but also to their students. And hey, guys, if you're listening to this, this is going to be true, whether you're working as a yoga teacher or whether you're working for an institution somewhere, working out in the world, like sixes are going to have to keep that heart space open, right, to other people. They can either like trust people and give them all of their trust, almost to the point that it's like a cult-like following, mm-hmm. or they can just kind of close off their hearts, have a wall up between them and other people. So keeping their heart open, big for a six. So um, as yoga teachers, we need to have other yoga teachers who mentor us, but sixes need to be careful not to blindly follow another yoga teacher and put them on a pedestal or to completely dismiss and mischaracterize other teachers due to that issue with distrust. So again, it can be, you know, this kind of tribalism sort of thing where this is my group and this is the only group and this is the best group and they have all the answers. Or it could swing the other way of this is a bad teacher, this is a bad studio. And so, you know, I think just keeping your heart open to seeing that all institutions, all yoga studios, you know, are going to have their strengths and weaknesses. And and that's just something a six might want to be careful of 
as a yoga teacher. So any thoughts, though, on like actually teaching a class? I um, didn't really have anything come up for me. Um, You know, I don't, I think maybe uh, allowing for more, I don't want to say risk taking, but expression of, you know, adding postures that perhaps feel uncomfortable. Like if, if, you know, if you're working on inversions and that could Mm -hmm. always be very intimidating, or if you're working on the master pose and just kind of being open to that, not playing it safe all the time, perhaps, you know, and then another thought on six and that might be a little controversial, but I don't think so. So, you know, if you're familiar with the yoga world, there has been in the prior years, some documentaries and some some um, articles about when um, yoga can have a really shadow side in terms of um, abuse. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's a term in yoga, guru, which is a teacher. And the original way to teach yoga is one-on-one. You have mm-hmm. a teacher and mm-hmm. you're their student. But um, it has been brought to light that there's a lot of, there's few, there have been very well-known, successful, quote-unquote, teachers who had huge following and huge amount of abuse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Abuse, mm-hmm. physical and mental, and taking advantage mm-hmm. of their followers. And, and Right? And that tra- creating that trauma, which is horrible. That is, mm-hmm. nothing can be more opposite of yoga philosophy, mm-hmm. history, and intent. So, you know, and then when I think on that... and like blind following it's a little bit of that six in an unhealthy space so just something to always have you know awareness of yeah you know yeah because sixes could be more vulnerable to following somebody blindly like you said right and then getting themselves in a situation where Mm -hmm. abuse is more likely to happen so and all of us any number should have that happen right but just, yeah, being careful about not blindly following somebody. Yeah. yeah, I love that, Kat. Thank you for that. All right. Seven is you, our adventurer, our visionary. Go for it. There you go. Um, I, I thought this was a, <laughs> kind of a funny one. Sometimes after a seven has finished their yoga training, they may rush to accomplish the next best thing, <laughs> such as Pilates. This I was like caught because... Uh, <laughs> I was just scrolling through my email and I saw like, oh, there's 300 hour training at uh, Yoga Landing coming up. And I was like, oh, oh, I could maybe do that. That sounds fun. And then I had to realize I was not yet complete with my 200. <laughs> there's some paperwork to do that I am avoiding. And so that's just like such the seven. It's like, okay, I'm on to the next thing. I next? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and maybe I'm not even finished. So there's some kind of need to like settle down. Mm-hmm. and keep your goals a little more simple, straightforward, like let me complete mm-hmm. and be where I am yeah. right now. And enjoy is... that present moment. Yes. Enjoy that accomplishment. Yes, not escape <laughs> to the future. Um, another point about sevens is because we're, we probably do tend to have a low uh, tolerance for pain in others as well as ourselves. There could be... If someone gets emotional in class or seems to be having a moment, there could be a tendency in a seven teacher, especially an uninvolved seven, to 
try to fix it or hurry them through it or yeah. get them to the next place quickly because that's a failure if somebody's crying. It's not a good mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. in the seven's mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I could see those being pitfalls of the seven. I love that. All right. So on to the eight. On to the eight. So the eight is our challenger and the new um uh, name that I have heard was the warrior, which that does not get any more yoga than that. We're all peaceful warriors in yoga. Um, so here's a few things for um, our eights to be mindful of. So just like one, the eight must be aware of their tendency to think of things both on and off the mat as right or wrong. And that could just be an organic um, pathway for them because they are protectors and they are, you know, leaders. So that could be, you know, but Mm -hmm. too much of a good thing can be Mm not a good thing, I guess. Mm -hmm. So that would be something to watch out for. Also, yoga teachers who are AIDS probably want to do heart openers first. As they practice vulnerability, they will be able to lead their students in this direction. So um, that's, you know, just some, some things that Eights could be mindful of. I like that. I like that. Well, peacemaker is our last one. Mm-hmm. So yoga teachers with this number need to be careful of conflict. So if you have conflict with another student or teacher, try not to avoid the conflict, but to find a way to speak compassionately and honestly about your feelings. And again, that goes for not just whether you're a yoga teacher, but whoever you are in the world as a nine, you have to work on speaking up and uh, learn from the eight how to use your voice in a way that's a little bit um, more compassionate. Keep that compassion of the nine, but to speak up and share your feelings and not run away from the conflict. And then the nines have to be careful of getting their certificate to teach and then never pursuing opportunities to teach because they tend to have that personality where they don't always pursue their dreams and their ambitions. They let their partner do that if they're married or they think oh, somebody else might be better at this. But that, again, that goes hand in hand with like speaking up. It's getting bigger. It's like becoming more expansive, allowing yourself to be seen. And I think that that's really important for the nine. Now we didn't plan this, but I am just thinking that maybe we should go back through from nine to one and brag on every number and maybe think Ooh. about how each number I love shines it. as a yoga teacher or human being in the world. I like um, it. Can we do that? Yes. All right. So we can do this all together. But like, if you can think of any nine teachers that you know, I think Tracy over at Yoga Landing is a wonderful nine teacher. Mm-hmm. And you know, any peacemakers just make me leave the class and I just feel at peace. I feel at one with the world. And so they have that gift of just allowing peace just kind of trickles all over the class and you leave just feeling, feeling that, you know, feeling oneness. I agree. I agree. They have a gift of creating harmony. Mm-hmm. And I I believe that oftentimes that's what we all seek mm-hmm. to feel after a yoga class, mm-hmm. to, to step into that mm-hmm. from the get-go, I think is just a beautiful, comforting thing. I love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts that you have on the nine? No, that sounds right. Yeah. yeah. All right. What about the eight, friends? I think the eight could push, could push you to, you know, 
talk about stira and sukha, you know, yeah. push that stira, the tapas, the discipline, mm-hmm. and and probably bring out from their students things that they need to. Yes. To, yeah. I guess isn't eight sometimes called the well? Is it eight the achiever or three only? But anyway, so I, I feel like that's related. Yeah. 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 And the forcefulness of their personalities could be a real asset right. in some of that. I, I love that. I, I, I feel like Brittany Williams is one of my eight buddies who's a, a, t- a yoga teacher, and she is so strong, and she leaves me feeling just more empowered after a yoga class. Like I, I have this sense of empowerment um, to go out into the world and own my power. <laughs> so that's one thought for the challengers. Um, I agree. I agree. I think eights have really strong energy. Yeah. And they can bring that strong energy um, into their class and share that with their students. So mm-hmm. it's it's great to be able to um, be strong but not rigid. Right. You know, you can be on the softer side yet still possess stra- strength. And I, I think that's a gift of an eight. Mm-hmm. 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 To share that strength. I love it. Mm-hmm. Seven. Seven. I'm lighting up here. (laughs) I do believe that the seven will bring enthusiasm that's contagious, joy, and variety to a yoga class. Because they don't want to be bored, so they're not going to let you be bored. And I think, yeah, I think the seven's got a great gift with that. I love it. And I feel like they pump up the music sometimes and that that's fun. Like that's different. Like I always play this like soft music during yoga. That's my style. But like some of the Enneagram sevens, mm-hmm. like there's just like fun music playing and you just start to have fun and smile and laugh a little bit more. And, yeah. It should be enjoyable. Yeah. Like the approach yeah. is joy. Yeah. Enjoy. Yeah. Enjoy this experience. Yeah. There's lots of yeah. joy. And when I've taken a class from you, because um, we've gone and practiced on your porch and different things, there's a lightheartedness too. Like you're not taking yourself as seriously sometimes as I, and I need to be more like you in that way, not take myself so seriously when I teach. So I like that lightheartedness that you feel in a sevens class and just in their energy in general. I agree. I think sevens just let you play. Yeah. And and have fun with it. And why not? Yoga, you know, we say it's not so serious. It's just yoga. Yeah. And I think that's a seven saint. It's just yoga. Have fun with it. Play. Yeah. I mm-hmm. love it. I love it. Um, all right. Sixes. Any any thoughts on what they bring their gift as a yoga teacher, as a human being? I think sixes would bring a lot of honesty and mm-hmm. realness mm-hmm. into into yoga practice i think it is their gift um and you know especially in our days where yoga sometimes perceived as a certain image picture in an instagram or mm-hmm. wearing a certain brand of clothing and being a certain size a certain age or certain gender mm-hmm. i think six you know the truth sayer mm-hmm. would come with the truth mm-hmm. in the, in a yoga offering which is so important especially now because there's a lot so much misconception about yoga yeah. and that could be really devastating yeah so that's i think their gift yeah and i also feel like they remind us that we need community that we need the yoga studio that yeah. this is a place where i belong this is a place where you belong yep. six is in a healthy place they just bring us into this group and this community. 
And, and that is a gift, I think. And I, I resist community. That's kind of my personality. I resist groups. But, you know, the sixes out there remind me, hey, yeah. you belong. Welcome You're it. needed. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Like, you need to be a part of this. You're going to grow being yeah. a part of this. So yeah. that's a six gift. So I love agree. it. Five. What are, what are some of the gifts of the five? Well, I was thinking about how the five is so thoughtful and aware mm. and well-planned. And I'm guessing a five would just be offer an excellent class mm-hmm. you know, in those aspects. I bet they would have some great quotes. I don't have any friends like who are five yoga teachers that I know of, but I bet that they would have really great quotes and wisdom to offer and that they would be very grounded and that that would just be a real gift. So if we have any five yoga teachers, let us know. Yeah, we'd we don't love know to hear. Many five yoga yeah. teachers do we cat? I would. We don't listen. Fives are hard to come by for some reason for Christy and I. They're yeah. they're another <laughs> unicorn. That we I'll always try. We I always can. try to find them and then trap them so they <laughs> don't withdraw. Um, you know, I think five's gift would be to remind us that you're always a student. Of yoga, yes, never, wow. ever, you know, and and more you study, more you understand that so little that you know, and you have to continuously seek the knowledge and uh, absorb the knowledge. And I think fives would be the most informed, you know, teachers out there, which is so important again, because I think now discon- now misconception about some yoga teacher like anybody can be a yoga teacher any tom dick and harry can just oh i'm a yoga teacher but five would take that teacher's um responsibility so seriously and i think mm-hmm. that would be a gift like that would be no joke i'm a teacher they would hold it to the highest standard mm-hmm. yeah you know well said mm-hmm. i love that we're lifelong learners yep and then the four are romantic or individualist? What what are the gifts that they bring? I think variety and creativity. You know, I've struggled, you know, and I've mentioned that I was, I got so hung up on just this linear, you know, you have to do it this way type of approach to yoga. And, um, and then I just had to almost force myself to get creative in my sequencing, mm-hmm. to get more artistic. And then I found out I really loved that mm-hmm. and it resonated with students. So just offering variety, offering the artistic and individualistic approach mm-hmm. to yoga practice, I think is a gift of a four. I do too. And I think for the four teachers that I've had, they encouraged me to move from the external world yeah. to the internal world and yeah. to go to go inward. And you can see their comfort with with, you know, just going inside themselves. And it helps me to go inside myself more to my feelings. Um, and so I'm really appreciative of a lot of those four teachers out there. And also that they like. Catherine said so well earlier, they allow you to hold that space. They hold that space for you for your feelings so that there's just kind of that container for you to do that safely. Yep. Any other thoughts that you have on that? 
Only that I think the four would also care about the overall environment of the studio and use that artistic flair to make it like Beautiful. experience, yeah. like mm-hmm. an entire experience. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I that's agree. That's a good point, too. Yeah, they just create beauty wherever they are. All right, the three. You know, here's what I think about the three. So Catherine has mentioned that she's already on 300-hour teacher training, which is an excellent program, by the way. Um, I speak from experience. But um, I think a three would be very supportive of you of that goal because they very familiar with goals. They're very familiar with Ooh, achieving. Yeah. So if you do have any goal, and that could be goal in learning a new pose, that could be goal in getting more training, that would be goal in trying a different pathway lineage of yoga. I think three would be like, you can do it. A cheerleader. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because yeah. they're all about achieving the good. They know what it's like. And a lot of us, that's not a like an organic place to be. Yeah. So I I think think that's their gift. I love that. I I think if the three is in a healthy space, there's going to be a lot of, you've got this, you can do this, you know, cheering you on. Yeah. Yeah. And I I also just want to say about the three, they will be doing it. Like they will be teaching classes with you. They will be starting a yoga studio. Mm -hmm. Somebody's got to do these things. And thank goodness for the three. There are doers. (laughs) Yes. They will be out there. Yeah. 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 Thank you. We are thankful for our threes. And then the helper, what are they going to be like as a, as a teacher? What I is think their the gift? best gift is offering a human connection. And mm-hmm. I'm going to say it again. We live in a world where we're so, quote unquote, hyper connected to more people than we would ever know. Mm-hmm. And yet we feel so alone. Mm-hmm. And I think with the two, you're never alone. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, they want to see you. They want to yeah. celebrate you. Yeah, they want and connect with yeah. you and build a relationship with you, which is so, yeah. you know, rare nowadays. And people are, you know, lonely at heart because relation, you know, they don't. I don't know. I just yeah. think, just you know, we say in yoga, go in peace and go in love, and yeah. that's that's a two. Yeah, love. I think that that's like part of my purpose when I teach is to make sure that people feel loved yeah you know that that's like a part of the purpose not the only purpose but I want people to feel loved so yeah I do think that and and you do that Christy I've taken your classes thank you it's really beautiful to see thank you and then we're gonna brag on you the perfectionist or what's the better name the humanitarian yeah you know, I think there's a lot of aspects of, of yoga that we don't talk often in a, 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 about. And um, one of them is uh, social justice. Yeah. Equality. Yeah. Uh, acceptance. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, embracing differences. Mm-hmm. And I think one can really offer all of that. Inclusion. Yeah. Inclusion. Yoga should always be inclusive to anyone who wants it. Anyone, you know, one of, and I am completely blanking out a name, but one of a really famous teacher said, as long as you can breathe, you can practice yoga. And I think like, you're a one, like, I feel like, yes. Mm -hmm. Don't you think? I think. Yeah. And I recently it was, it was giving Tuesday and you did this big, 
fundraiser mm -hmm. and you you actually matched whatever all the people who came to your class so offered. they didn't even offer so the ask was just for them to show up on their yoga mat oh. and i was donating five dollars for every person who came in so oh that's so great. that was you know and then People, of course, were, you know, um, willing to help, but there was not the ask. The ask was come to class. And That's all you have. Name. Yes. But that is such a one thing because ones are the humanitarians. They are the reformers. They're the be the change you want to see in the world. Yeah. They want to change the world. And so here you were offering for a great cause. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's another example mm -hmm. of a one shining, right? Mm -hmm. So um, they're wanting to kind of create change in the world and yeah. yeah we don't talk about that part of the one enough the yeah. social justice yeah. piece there so yeah uh yeah i hope you feel bragged on yeah there's improvement that all of us can do um as teachers and we can be more than we are and we need to think about what our um weaknesses might be as a teacher but i hope you also feel like we're we're seeing all the strengths of each of the nine numbers as well um, and we want to thank Catherine for being here. We want to also touch on uh, the journey dance that you do. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about that? Because it's still kind of in the yoga family. Yes, absolutely. So I, I love journey dance. I was introduced to it at Kripalu. At noon, every day at Kripalu, there's an hour-long dance. And it's very uh, intuitive, free you know, there'll be 60 or 70 people in a big room. And one of the uh, methods of dance they have at noon on Acropolo is journey dance. And the teacher's Tony Bergens. And I just found whenever I attended one of those classes, I would have some big insight about my life or some kind of emotion would unlock that I didn't realize I was having. And these were you know, like really pivotal moments in my life. But I could only go to Acropolo, you know, twice a year at the most. And then... Um, we moved down here to Tennessee and I thought, how am I going to keep doing this kind of dance? So I decided to do the teacher training for journey dance. So I've become a journey dance guide and I offer journey dance classes in Chattanooga and I love it. And I think one of the medicines that journey dance is for me as a type seven is it allows emotion. We go in, we do dances that are very sort of intuitive and internalized where we express our story to the dance floor. We tell our story. We do kind of shamanic ritualistic things that are very kind of getting out uh, anger or different kinds of energies and emotions within. And I have to say at the end of a journey dance, you feel incredible, you yeah, know, and I've you've expressed you a lot. Yes. I've done yes. your journey dance twice, at least maybe three times. And every time I've left feeling lighter. So there, there's like an unburdening that happens mm -hmm. during it. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it, it's not something I can quite articulate and put into words, but I felt freer. So I would encourage people to look into the journey dance classes. Catherine did offer those at the Center for Mindful Living. You were the past president of the Center for Mindful Living, but now you're looking for a new space uh, to do that. You're doing a few of them at the Chattanooga yoga school right at Madia's um, Madia's uh, yeah. healing arts center but uh, you also might want to email Catherine if you're interested in taking some of these classes because she might be finding a couple of spaces to do that in the coming yeah months. absolutely email me so I can put you on the email list we also have uh, 
if you do Facebook, there's a Journey Dance Tennessee page and group. So you can、mm. also find the information there if you, if you happen to be on Facebook. And yeah, I, I encourage anyone who likes to dance, you know, you don't have to be、uh, coordinated. I certainly am not. I could not, you know, <laughs> take a dance class where they told you how to move. This is very intuitive and accessible. So I encourage、yeah. anyone who likes to dance to, to try it. Yeah. And so, like a typical seven, you know, you're into the, the yoga, the journey dance,、um, you're into the Enneagram and definitely could teach that if anybody's looking for somebody to come and, and teach an introductory class、um, to the Enneagram. But you also are the pastor of Pilgrim Congregational Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. So, if somebody's looking for an open minded, progressive, very mindful church that Um, you know, this is the place for you. So you can also reach out to Catherine if you're interested in looking for a space like that、um, for your spiritual development. So, any other things that you want to highlight about yourself or how people might contact you? Brag on yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, the only other thing I would say is, I, as a type 7, I was a hospital chaplain at Erlanger for six years, including the oncology chaplain for four years. And talk about a challenge for the type seven. But I will say that they do say that sevens sometimes can be good chaplains because we don't get as bogged down in emotions. But learning to stay and witness and be present for someone else's emotions, that was a great、uh, learning experience for me over those six、mm-hmm. years of being in the hospital.、Mm-hmm. So、to you. I'm happy to be at the, at the church now. And I, but I did,、uh, I did love that experience、yeah. at Erlanger. Yeah. yeah. But I do think that all of your many hats are a great example of a seven, right? Who just has an interest in so many different things. Yeah, we、right? never said I was an architect. Yeah, my yeah, first career for、architect. 20 years, I was an architect. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well,、um, thank you, Catherine, for being here. Thank you for your positive energy as a seven, but also you. Have、um, just so much depth to you. You're definitely a seven who's done your inner work, who's gone in to fill your pain and to embrace the hard stuff of life instead of run from it. So I love that、um, the Enneagram has helped you to, to do that work. And I just thank you for being here with us. You've shared a lot of yourself and we're grateful. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Catherine. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Meditation today, I want to breathe and meditate on the importance of accepting ourselves and one another. And so, in this meditation, if you'll bring one hand to your heart and one hand to your belly and start to breathe from the belly button all the way up to the crown of the head, and then when you find your exhale, exhale down back to the belly button from the crown of the head. And just find a rhythm with your breath. Thomas Merton once said the beginning of love is to let those we love be perfectly themselves and not to twist them to fit our own image. 
In other words, we need to accept people just as we find them with their fallibilities and their strengths. And the Enneagram is one tool that helps me to do just that. Stay with your breath during this meditation and I'm going to go through all nine numbers and name a strength, but also a shadow side of each of the nine numbers. And just as I go through each number, remind yourself that you too have strengths and weaknesses, that that is part of the human condition, and that as you accept those strengths and those growing edges in yourself, it becomes much easier to accept them in others. Let's start with the nine as you inhale, inhaling the easygoing nature of the nine, and as you exhale, exhaling the slothfulness or complacency. And then for the eight, inhaling that empowerment and strength of the eight. And as you exhale, exhaling that lust for power or control. And as you inhale for the seven, inhaling the joy and fun spirit of the seven. And as you exhale, exhaling that excess or gluttony. And for the six, as you inhale, inhale that reliability and hard work ethic of the six. And as you exhale, exhaling that anxiety. And then for the five, inhaling the curiosity of the five. And as you exhale, exhaling the withholding or avarice. And then for the four, as you inhale, inhale just the introspective nature of the four. And as you exhale, let go of the envy. And then for the three, inhaling the goal-oriented way of the three, and as you exhale, let go of that deceit or chameleon-like quality that the three can have. And then for the two, inhaling the love and empathy of the two, and as you exhale, letting go of the pride or the ego. And then for the one, inhaling that integrity and justice spirit for the one, and then exhale, letting go of the perfectionism that the one can have. And then deep breath in. Big exhale out. Namaste, friends. Mm -hmm.